Welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast where you will find insight analysis and the story behind the numbers. Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of the State of Economy podcast on the banking and financial services space. Joining me today is Srinath Sridharan, a veteran in the sector and who knows it quite well. He's also an author and a policy thinker. The topic today is also very interesting. It's a follow-up on what the RBI came up earlier this week. The strictures or the heavy restrictions that are going to be placed on relationships that regulated entities have with AIFs. Primarily, is it a move by the Reserve Bank of India to start focusing on this upcoming space called private credit? Is it the first layer of restrictions that the RBI is sort of coming up with to uh, bring some discipline and harmony in how private credit as a segment is going to work from here on? Because private credit funds also deploy the AIF structures. Sometimes it's a part of the asset management subsidiary of banks and other regulated NPFCs and so on. Sometimes they're standalone funds by themselves. When they're standalone, it's not so much a problem. But when it's a part of a regulated entity, that's where the new restrictions are going to come into place. Srinath is here to decode whether this as a move is going to help RBI prevent that process of evergreening, which it says it has found out. Thank you so much once again for joining in at such short notice. But I'm sure you didn't want to miss this one out because this is the topic uh, we've been chatting up about texting for a long time. And uh, in a sense, I would think that maybe yesterday, the circular that came out, RBI is getting a little more cognizant that there is an alternate channel of credit which is flowing in. It's beginning to get noticed by a lot of people in the market. There is a certain kind of an appetite as well for the product. Therefore, perhaps it is now time to uh, look at it more closely from a lending perspective and put in the required strictures. That was my interpretation of yesterday's circular. Ashinath, how would you look at it? I mean, uh, Amsni, I mean, first of all, I would concur with what you're saying. Uh, and there are two messages that RBI is giving. RBI is saying that if there are any structures which uh, don't come under my regulatory regime and if you're going to call that as a quasi-credit or a quasi-comfort or a security, I'm worried. That's a clear mm-hmm. message one because uh, these businesses don't come under, the AIs don't come under RBI. Two, the other clear message is that unless there is a mark-to-market valuation Uh, which means that the underlying security and the serviceability of those loans, if they are in doubt, and which is the biggest doubt about a lot of these AIF pass-throughs and the concerns for regulated entities having AIF units in lieu of their existing security is a worry for RBI. And Mm. I think this is one of those uh, rare instances where RBI is called out its worry in the circular, right? I mean, it is spoken about evergreening. Generally, it doesn't speak about its worries or concerns. It it comes to the point directly. It's a strong word it used because RBI never comes out using words like evergreening. It's it's like 100% saying that, yes, that is a practice which I'm able to see in the system. It's scary to an extent. It, it is scary, but I think uh, we must read it in context of the continuous uh, supervision of at least the key entities that RBI undertakes, the banks and the large NBFCs. So I'm reading between the lines that there must be something that has happened yes. from last year to now. That's one. Two, they've also not given time for banks to react. They were clearly said in 30 days, I want you to unwind all this. If you don't, I want you to provide for 100% of all this. 
I mean, not just banks, even the NBFCs. So to me, this is the second time in one year, probably one year or slightly more, that RBI is sending out the message of parallel structures not acceptable. The previous one was ARC slash uh, AIF that banks yes. or NBFCs had uh, comfort with. That was very clear, saying that if you want to transact with them, declare in PAs and book, provide it on the book and move it all. Two, this time, I think this is far more harsher. I mean, if we thought uh, the FinTech FLDG was harsher, I mean, this is far, far, far harsher. This is like a big blow. Yeah, but it'll be interesting, right? Because end of the day, how many of them actually provide for or actually are course correct because the quarter will end in the next 12 days. Will they spill it over to the next quarter? What are they going to do? That will be interesting. Some of the banks, large banks, my assumption is, even if they have some of these structures, will try to quickly unwind so that this quarter they get done and dusted and disclose everything. And if it is not rampant, I don't think RBI would have come with a circular. They would have simply told respective REs to take care of it. But uh, I mean, we've, we've had some of the large institutions like uh, Sterling Wilson, Turlight, etc. Like the Vedanta Group, etc. Uh, just going my news reports wanting to tap uh, the private credit market for reasons best known to them. And these are also big names in the lending sector. So I'm able to see where you're uh, uh, coming from and possibly the concern that the regulator is also trying to address here. But my question is, are these enough to stop evergreening? Because last cycle, we saw evergreening in a very different way. Is the private credit route perceived by the regulator as the new model of evergreening? And by forcing the REs to take 100% NPA, I mean, 100% provisioning uh, within 30 days, if they're not able to downsell or uh, get rid of that exposure, is it going to bring in cost discipline into the, into the system? I mean, is this enough to be a prohibitive uh, uh, stick for uh, the REs? So I think uh, REs, um, progressively this year, RBI has been clamping down, right? I mean, last year, it used the inspection report to go back after some of these structures uh, in collusion with ARCs. After all the uh, the co-lending and the other packs that they had, then yeah. the RBI has been meeting, uh, expecting the REs to present a lot of these, one, as a strategy, two, as a granular disclosure to their board. And which is why we've also seen the governor address uh, directors, especially the independent directors of most of these entities uh, over a point in time this year. Right. And this is a very message evidently clear on the wall that any lending activity, one, there is only one regulator in the country, that's RBI. So I don't know, I'm probably slightly speaking out of turn, how this is going to be interpreted or seen by the AIF regulator, which is SEBI. And I hope that we don't get into that SEBI and IRDA kind of a spat that we had many, many years ago. You are very clear. Anything around lending, let it be under RBI. Anything around investments, let it be under SEBI. To interrupt you here for a minute because I want to take this up as a slightly larger conversation. But before getting into, um, you know, how RBI is renfencing itself on the lending part of it, there is another point which comes into my head. Guys investing in these AIF structures, it's the large family offices, wealthy H&Is, Sometimes some of these are itself uh, subsidiaries or parts of asset management companies created by banks and uh, held by banks and REs themselves. So um, this is a, a sector where your traditional retail money is not directly flowing, but very indirectly flowing. And if there is a speed bump, if there is a problem, 
if people are not able to earn that they uh, that they were promised because this is also a high yield segment so called which is the lure for people to look at aifs lately then are these people going to be quiet would they understand that you know it's okay sometimes you're promised 13 but it can be minus 3 are these segments are these hni family offices investors were capable of understanding that because that is a point which has been addressed yet see uh, that's a fair question amsini but the reality is depending on the fund who's raising this fund now we have seen large institutional uh, pe is also uh, raising monies uh, private credit funds as well right i mean you saw blackstone right. talking about it you also have the uh, the individual professional fund managers professionals coming together and saying that they will create their own private credit mm. so the the nature is there is no fixed formula because mm. you can't really, i i think in today's markets especially if you're doing a cross border fund and with the interest rates volatility in many markets nobody can offer a fixed return here on this these are deal by deal basis and also thematic right there are some stre- stressed assets or aifs which they do it in private credit the biggest challenge that seems to be this is the existential question right if they are going to charge and get about um, a return north of 20 to 22% why are they in that business first of all are you telling me that the banks are not funding those clients and that is why the clients are moving from the banks to nbfcs and then saying okay i am probably going to private ca- credit market as a lender of last resort or is it something a hybrid variety that we have seen like a mes financing that private mm. credit comes handy so i think there are genuine reasons which are possible but from the outside the fear seems to be that is a real credit understanding in these businesses the good yes. thing is from sebi's perspective they have expecting risk committee is an independent director to be on those boards some of those uh, are coming in the closest uh, and the most well led regulated private credit market currently in the region seems to be uh, what uh, mas does in singapore the yes. amount of diligence of right from fit and proper to the requirement on the governance side to disclosures is phenomenally high Right. But uh, as uh, you mentioned, two interesting points here. One that private credit uh, funds look at avenues which typically banks cannot fund. Not that they don't want to, but they cannot because of the regulatory constraints. Like for instance, uh, uh, backing uh, M and A acquisitions or funding a promoter to buy out stakes or just distress funding. for that matter uh, since private credit comes into picture in these pockets or 10 to 12% uh, roi may not be possible they are able to enjoy the high yield that they are something that is sustainable point number 1 and if so do you credit credit as a uh, replacing what nbfcs were earlier meant to do 10 years back nbfcs were mushroom boom and growing because they were picking up those leads which banks were not very successful with we saw a whole bunch of wholesale nbfcs as well structured finance project finance and so on yeah, absolutely i mean uh, let me uh, kind of do a segue into a different kind of question are we saying or are these borrowers and uh, private credit markets looking at sebi as a easier quasi lending regulator exactly. than an rbi that's a fear i have i agree with yeah. you because uh, if you don't have uh, the credit and the underwriting and the collection capability that rbi structures today allow for uh, and you're going outside of those boundaries uh, and you're saying mm-hmm. that i'm okay with the fuzziness of it 
then are we sufficient with today's risk disclosures i don't think so then probably i'm anticipating at some point soon sebi also will come along with regulation to kind of match it because the reality is it's not as if either or if either rbi does it or sebi does it today's financial markets are about domino effect Correct. we can't have we just need one private credit fund or one large aif saying i have a bad loan and i'm not able to recover it and it will have a cascading effect it will in fact uh, that that brings me to possibly the last segment that i want to you very elaborately about who's going to take responsibility for these npas because ncd when were not being furnished by let's take the case of even a dhfl here when there was defaults in ncd there was there was literally no uh, no recourse uh, for people holding the papers because it was neither rbi's child nor sebi was in a position to take the upper hand and say no this is how it's going to be uh, resolved and uh, interestingly five years since that episode this is a question that we've not found an answer to so with private credit the complexity is much larger compared to what was with ncds who's going to really own this child and how are we going to see if there has to be joint ownership would people be willing to do it i mean equal parenting is possible in 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 a structure like this so in the waterfall mechanism mamsni i'm speculating here i think the public deposits will carry significantly higher weightage than structures like this uh, i think it's essentially as a fiduciary custodian of public deposits uh, the nature of such a deposit is very different from a risk based investment you know mm. that it could blow up and which is why i said earlier that i would uh, assume that sebi would ask now for granular proactive communication of risks almost like imagine this like a cigarette packet where 70% of the yes. cover is the ghastly um, photograph and i think can these private credit funds and the other aifs bring about their risk parameters upfront reality that we're looking at and as much as i've interacted with people in the pc market most of them are investment bankers who've taken on to private credit they are not risk managers they are not compliance managers they have they are not people uh, who are best equipped to price risk or price uh, a funding requirement itself which means that if given where rbi is at in terms of its stance for the market the system will also have to see a different breed of people running it it cannot be an extension of let's say a uh, um, somebody's private equity fund any longer it needs to be seen and respected and treated differently wouldn't it Yeah, that's true see uh, one would expect if you're an re uh, let's say a bank or an nbfc you would have different products uh, for the customers you chose to serve right but mm-hmm. suddenly if you look back in the last 10 years of indian financial uh, players across board and uh, not necessarily only the large conglomerates right. but almost everybody seems to have uh, nbfc an aif uh, arrangement with an arc and something else on the side it's almost like saying i don't want to create products under my regulated entity but i would rather have multiple structure whichever works for me i will kind of average turn at the holding company level not necessarily at operating company level that's Very a fear seen even in the previous cycle uh, yeah. and and this is where recoverability becomes a big deal i mean the whole co literally is dependent on the operating entities for uh, cash flow for assets for everything Uh, the money is at the whole core but the uh, money is made elsewhere the classic problem is getting repeated here and we've not done anything to address it so far so i i i would 
think that unless there is a large care in the market, uh, probably it might not become a priority conversation in a FSDC uh, agenda. Right. Like where all the regulators come in and discuss these. Uh, but it's an apt conversation for them to say, are there any inter-regulator arbitrage that entities are attempting to do like this one? And so, I think uh, the sooner they uh, decide on how to tighten this would, I think, solve for a lot of their own uh, supervisory troubles. That's right. So to that extent, uh, should, we, uh, should we agree that uh, what happened yesterday, the circular that uh, shook the market yesterday is the baby steps, the first steps in the process? I, I think so. I Very clearly, I think uh, this is probably the second thing that RBI has done among the previous one being adjusting the risk weights for unsecured lending. That's true. And That's true. This, this is the second. So using their policy, they're able to kind of influence what they're doing. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining in, sir. It was wonderful to have this conversation with you. For one, you've been uh, not a very uh, uh, rara private credit person. You've always taken a very neutral stand. And uh, we couldn't have had a better time than now to discuss this topic. Thanks once again for joining in, sir. Pleasure. Pleasure, Amsri. Talk to you. And with that, it's a wrap on this edition of the State of Economy podcast. We'll come back to you just very soon on a very interesting topic. Till then, do take care.